In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Well, this weekend, Mindy, uh, my wife, and I had the pleasure of having her parents in town from Jacksonville. And you know, whether it's Mindy's parents or my parents who are keeping uh, Daphne, our, our two-year-old daughter, a funny thing happens, I've noticed, when we entrust Daphne into their care, and that is, is, is this. Believe it or not, we provide them with instructions. I say that with a red face. When I say instructions, I mean you would think that Daphne came with an owner's manual, a thick owner's manual. What's funny about this, of course, there are a lot of things that are funny about this, uh, and incredibly ironic about this is that we, the children, are giving to our own parents instructions on how to raise children, right? Okay, now follow me on this. It would be one thing if Mindy's or, or my parents were not fit or willing to keep our child. But of course, they love keeping Daphne. Uh, they're wise and they're kind and they feed her a steady diet of sweets. As you would, as you would imagine, all good grandparents do. Uh, so we don't give the grandparents an instruction manual for Daphne because they lack something. You see that? They don't lack anything. They know how to raise kids. We're alive, aren't we? We are alive. We don't give it to them for that reason. We give them an instruction manual because we love Daphne, right? Okay, and because they love Daphne. We all love Daphne. Here's, here's when we entrust Daphne into your care, here's, here's what we want you to do. And they're like, okay, great. Y'all love Daphne. We love Daphne. We're all on the same page. You see, here's the main reason that we entrust, uh, when, we give, when we entrust Daphne into their care, we give them an instruction manual. It's because of our relationship with the parents. We are loved by them, and we love them. Daphne just gets the overflow out of our relationship with our own parents. This is why moms... It's so hard to entrust your graduates to FSU or Gainesville or go on and on and on because you don't have a relationship with the college. What is this college going to do to my child, right? There's no trust. There's no love. There's no unity necessarily. So you don't know what this, this institution is going to do with your baby, Excuse me, graduates. <laughs> I just called you babies. Friends, this is what's happening in our gospel passage today. Jesus is about to leave his disciples. He's about to go to the cross, then he'll rise from the dead, and then he'll leave in a completely different way in his ascension. Their relationship will never be the same. This is uh, chapter 17 comes at the end of the last discourse, we call it, the high priestly prayer. And what's happening is Jesus, out of his love for the Father and his love for his disciples, is entrusting them to his Father's care. 
Now, of course, Jesus is not giving God the Father an instruction manual on how to love His his people, but He is entrusting them into the Father's care. He's entrusting them into the Father's care, and what He's about to say has everything to do with His, that is Jesus's, relationship to His Father and His Father's relationship to Him. Do you see that? So, Take your scripture outline, your scripture passage. Uh, turn to the look at the gospel at the bottom of the page. Let me show you three things from this high priestly prayer. Three things. What is it? Three things that it means for the disciples and for us as disciples of Jesus to be entrusted into the Father's care. We are swept up into the love that Jesus has for His Father and His Father has for Him. Just like Daphne gets swept up into the love of the parents and the grandparents and, 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 and realizes all these benefits, lots of candy, etc., so we too get benefits from being swept up into the love of God the Father for God the Son and God the Son for God the Father. Three benefits. Here's the first one. The disciples of Jesus being entrusted to the Father by Jesus, they have knowledge of God's name. They know God's name. Jesus says it like this in your passage. I have made known, Father, your name to those whom you gave me from the world. In the middle of the passage, he says this, Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me. Okay, here's the thing about names, why this is so special, that the disciples and us, why we, that we know God's name. Names in Scripture are important because they reveal a person's identity and character and nature. It's not just Josh. It's everything that Josh means. It's my character, my nature. In fact, God's name in the Old Testament was so important, so valued, so precious to His people, they did not even speak His name. They did not speak His name. This is a big deal. This is why it makes sense that Jesus says when He comes, Father, You've given me Your name, and I've revealed Your name to my disciples. Christian, the only way we know God, the Maker of heaven and earth, is through Jesus Christ, His Son. Because of their special relationship, we get swept up into things. We know the name of God, the nature of God, the identity of God. What is God like? You want to know that? What, 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 uh, what does God love? What ticks God off? Do you want to know that? Look at Jesus. Know Jesus. Study the Jesus of Scripture. He has revealed God's name to us, and it is through Christ, as we point the world to Christ, that they will know the name of God as well. That's the first benefit of getting swept up into the love of God the Father and trusted to the Father. Here's the second benefit. It means that we belong to someone. We belong. We have a place where we belong. Um, Notice over and over how Jesus says in his prayer, Father, you gave me the disciples, and then I gave them to you. They were yours, and then they're mine. Over and over and over. You almost get confused, right? He says, "Um, I've made known your name to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they know that everything you've given me is from you. Skip down a few verses. He says, I'm not asking on behalf of the world, Father, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. 
Okay, I thought God the Father gave them to you. Anyways, here's the point. You belong to someone in the midst of the Son belonging to the Father and the Father belonging to the Son from all eternity, you and I, brothers and sisters, get swept up into that relationship, and now we have a place where we belong. We have a place where we belong. Um, this week, Mindy and I uh, have been having some work done on our home, and so the insurance company uh, uh, gratefully has put us up at a hotel some of our stuff is at home. Some of our stuff is at the hotel. Life is absolutely crazy. This has messed with my head. Driving around Orlando, I can't figure out where is my home? Where am I going? Most days I drive around like that, but now I have a good reason, you know. <laughs> I feel like I'm wandering from appointment to appointment. It's like I'm, li- I'm living, literally living out of a suitcase, as is uh, my wife and, and daughter. There's a, there's a lack of peace in my life. There's a constant sense of disconnection from everything I'm doing. Everybody wants to know where to land. Where do I belong? Home sweet home. Where is that? It's not just that we want a place to belong to, though, is it? We want someone to belong to. Dear friends who are single either by choice or not by choice, I imagine that you resonate very much with this, that sense of wanting someone or some people, some group to belong to. And for married folks who struggle with a marriage that is a less than stellar, you too struggle with wanting a place to belong. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. Everybody wants to belong to someone. If you know Jesus Christ, you belong to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You have been swept up into the deepest kind of belonging. This is the second benefit of the disciples and us when we get swept up into the Father's love for the Son and the Son's love for the Father. Here's the last one. You are protected and you are kept and you are never lost. The disciples, Jesus prays to the Father. He wants them to be protected and kept and not lost. He says it a bunch of different ways. I'll quote just a couple of verses from John 17. And now I'm no longer in the world, Jesus says, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you've given me. Keep going so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you've given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I've given them your your word, and the world has hated them, because they don't belong to the world, just as I don't belong to the world." I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to protect them in the midst of the world. Now, this is a key point, because in the midst of being protected, part of that protection that comes and spills out of the relationship to God the Father and God the Son, and kept and not lost like Judas, by the way, not lost like Judas, part of that means we're not going to be taken out of the world. Did you catch that part? We are in the world. Don't take them out of the world, Father. Protect them in the midst of the world. 
Mindy and I used to have a puppy named Beekner Bales. He was a very bad puppy. We were even worse puppy owners. Beekner, and to, to prove that we were not good puppy owners, every chance he got, Beekner would run out of our door for freedom, I guess. He did not, I don't know what, what, what we did wrong. What did we do wrong? Once we let some friends watch Beekner, and despite their best efforts, Beekner got away from them out of the front door, and he ran all around the neighborhood. Little bitty Yorkie puppy, barking, causing havoc. They said later on, oh, how awful we would have felt if Beekner had been lost under our care. They eventually found him, but he, he, he still ran away. Notice, we didn't ask our friends to keep Beekner in the crate the whole time, you know? Keep him. We, we didn't ask, friends, will you keep him safe from all the puppy dangers in the neighborhood? I mean, of course, we knew that wasn't possible because Beekner was going to outsmart them no matter what. But we didn't ask them to keep him in the crate, keep him safe from the, his world of puppy dangers and temptations. We asked them just to not lose him. Don't lose him. Do your best. Do not lose Beekner. And they accomplished it. Notice it's not from bad lives that Jesus asked God to protect us. It's not from illness or tragedy or temptation that Jesus asked God to give us exemption. It's for protection in the midst of these things. This is what it means to be swept up into the relationship of God the Father and God the Son. This is what it means when Jesus says, Father, they are yours now. I'm about to leave them. They're yours. Will you protect them? Will you guard them? Will you not lose them? This is God's promise to us. We will not be lost. We will not be lost, except for the one who was meant to be lost from, from before time, right? Judas. So don't let that throw you off. We will not be lost. God will not lose us. I imagine, too, that Jesus knew this third benefit about his father, particularly well in that he leaned on it. Because what is about to happen to Jesus after this prayer, after this conversation, this discourse with the disciples? He will face the cross, the epicenter of evil, the epicenter of John's gospel's world. It all comes down to the cross. And his father would not lose Jesus, therefore his father will not lose us. Friends, the third benefit of being swept up into the Father's care given by Jesus is that we won't be lost. No matter how hard we try to get away from God, no matter how far we run, He will not let you go. You will not be lost. One of the things that Daphne enjoys doing when we're walking through a parking lot or a mall or, frankly, anywhere when, when I'm on one side of her and Mindy's on the other is uh, she'll grab our hands, she's in between us, and, and she'll, um, she'll lift her legs up as we're walking, right? So, that, so we end up carrying her uh, halfway through the parking lot. Or what. Then she'll start swinging, you know. Um, to his disciples today and to us who follow Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, I hope that you can feel Jesus' hand on one side and the Father's hand on the other, and I want you to grab them, and I want you to pick up your feet, and I want you to let the relationship of God the Father with His Son and God the Son with His Father, 
let it carry you. Let it carry you through whatever evil you face internally in your heart, in your life, in your habits, externally in the world that, over which you have no control. Let the Father and the Son and their love and unity with each other, let it carry you. Did you know that every Sunday when we come to God's altar here, we have a display of the connection, the relationship, the union between the Father and the Son. The Son gives Himself, offers Himself on the altar to the Father. We get to participate in that offering. It's like we're Daphne, right in the middle of mom and dad's love. Perhaps that's the best picture we can come up with on earth. We get nuzzled up in between the Father and the Son every Sunday. Would you this morning, would you this morning feel God the Father, God the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, lift you and carry you? This is what it means to be entrusted into God's care. Amen.